0: Okay, so let's go. Let's get into what we're gonna be doing. I've got about a 25-minute message that will probably take about 45, but that's okay. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> we are at week two of a six-week series entitled The End, The end. and today's message is Be Ready. Be ready. This is gonna be a rather serious message today, to be honest with you, a little bit heavy. And I'm going to be sharing lots of scriptures. Now, when we did week one, I already told you then that there's going to be a lot of scriptures. And we don't normally do a lot of scriptures. We do scriptures, but we don't do a lot of them. But we're doing this because of the context. It's because of what it is that we're talking about. I, I want you to realize that we take here at Word of Life, we take the Word of God, the Bible, we take it very, very seriously. And dealing with the end, dealing with the the. the 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 end taking place, I, I want to be as accurate as we can with the scripture, so bear with me as we go through that. So we're going to be digging into the Bible to see what it has to say about the end of the time, the end of the world, the last days, what it means for the second coming of Jesus and for the book of Revelation. We're going to be digging into some of those things. And of course, the number one question that is asked continuously, especially when you're dealing with this subject, is when is this going to happen? When is all of this going to take place? And Jesus gives us a very clear, no questions asked answer, kind of an answer that would come to us found in Matthew chapter 24... Verse uh, 36, again, if you don't have have a smartphone, if you don't have your Bible with you, all of the scriptures, everything's going to be projected behind me on the screen. It says in verse 36, it says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only the Father knows when this place is going to, when this is going to take place. The Bible gives us many different signs and signs of the times and of the end. And the Bible says, in fact, Jesus himself says, we need to watch that. We need to watch the signs of the times. We need to be someone who would be diligent in watching that. So this much we know for sure. We know this for sure. We know out of everything that's going to be taking place, we know this for sure. Jesus is coming again. Come on, give me a Jesus is coming again applause. God, you're coming again. Okay. So we know that for sure. Dr. James Davis, he's with us every year speaking here at Word of Life. He wrote a book entitled um, Signposts on the Road to Armageddon. He gives us some stats. I want to share some of the stats that he gives us. He says one out of every four verses in the Bible points to his second coming. I say it again. One out of every four verses in the Bible points to his second coming. The second stat that he gives us is that the second coming of Christ is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament alone. He also says that for every first time coming of Jesus, the second coming is eight times more. So for every prophetic word, for everything of Jesus coming the first time, it's times eight after the uh, for his second coming. So when Jesus comes a second time, it will be absolutely nothing, nothing at all like it was in the first time. Um Go with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to pick up at verse 29. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. And it says these words. Immediately after the tribulation, this is Jesus. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The, star will, the stars will fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see uh, the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with, a pow- with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great trumpet sound, and all will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other is what the scriptures declare. Jesus himself tells us that his return will be with great power and will be with great glory. You see, his second coming will be the single, single greatest display of power the universe has never seen. God totally unboxed, and there will be nothing, and there will be no one who will be able to stop him. Church, you better buckle up. You really better buckle up, because it will be cataclysmic. It will be triumphant, and it will be royal, and it will be holy. Give me an amen to that. And one of the things, one of the things I just can't get over this morning is seven times, seven times, seven times in the New Testament. It says over and over again that when, when, um, when Jesus returns, it will be as a thief in the night. Therefore, be ready. I can't get over this. This is said over and over and over again. All seven times, those words are being addressed to believers. It's being addressed to those who are followers of God. Did you hear what I said? What it is that they're talking about, what Jesus is talking about right here in this moment, every one of those times that that is being spoken, it is that, that uh, he's going to come as a thief in the night. We need to be ready. It is every one of those times, it is, he's speaking to believers and he's speaking to followers. Three of the seven times comes from the lips of Jesus himself. Go with me to Matthew 24. Again, we're going to go to verse 42 through 44. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and, and not allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44, therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Luke chapter 12, pick it up there. And it says these words, blessed. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and, and uh, have him sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if it, should, uh, if it should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But, this, uh, but know this, that if the master of the house had known uh, what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, therefore, you also should be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Over and over and over again, be ready. It's going to happen. I know we can be comfortable right now and thinking, well, it probably won't happen today. You don't know that, but we're thinking that. And so we, we relax a little bit. But the Bible is letting us know, this is a 911 call. You need to realize to the believer... To the believer, as well as the unbeliever, you need to know that this is going to be happened. Be ready. Jesus is coming like a thief, and you won't know what hour he is coming, and you don't want to miss this. Today, I want to talk to you about being ready for both the believer and the unbeliever. I want to talk to you about this being ready stuff for both the believer and the unbeliever. Let's deal with the believer first. I have a two two point message and we will be done and out of here in just a few minutes. For us as believers, one way or another, we know that this life on earth will end. One way or another, this life on earth is going to end. And we will either die or we will be suddenly raptured from the church, uh, from, the, from the earth. And I'm excited about that because next Sunday I'm speaking about the rapture. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk on. I'm very excited about it. I'm all prepared, ready to go. So we're going to talk about the rapture. So one of two ways, one of two ways um, we, we are going to meet God. It will either be by our natural death or by our death or by the rapture is what we see here. Um, so a question that I believe begs to be answered in all of this, Listen now, if we have prayed the sinner's prayer, if we have prayed the sinner's prayer and are saved, why all the warnings? Why do the Christians, why do believers, why do followers have to be warned over and over again about the second coming of Christ? The short answer is going to be because of drift. The short answer is because of drift, because of drift. Number, uh, uh, there's a number of warnings found in the scriptures about the drift that we can have, the drift that we would have. I will share with you two of them, and they're not in your notes. I've got them here on my notes. I just decided to put them in. It says here in Psalm 141, David says in verse four, David says these words. He says, don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. David's prayer is, don't let me drift. Don't let me drift toward evil. In Hebrews chapter two, verse one, and it says this, he says, so, so we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it, it says. We need to listen, we need to understand we're being told something by God in this particular book and what we're dealing with in this series. We're being told by God that we need to be a people who will not drift because God has a plan for each and every one of us in this place. So I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter three, and I want to give you a little bit of background about the apostle John, who is being punished for his testimony of Jesus, who loved God, made it very clear, and he ends up being exiled to an island called Patmos. And there on that island, John has an amazing encounter, unlike anywhere in all of the scriptures, uh, with Jesus that is unbelievable and is, is incredible. So John, of course, John now meets Jesus for the very first time since all of this. And, and with all of that, Jesus tells John many things of what's going to be taking place. Angels also, angels of God also give John some insight and some direction that ultimately make up the, the, this very mysterious book that's called the Apocalypse of the Book of Revelation, Or another word would be the revealing of the last things, or another would be the end of Revelation. So at the end of the book of Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 through uh, 20, we're not going to read them, they're not going to be projected, but in those verses it talks about this encounter that John has with Jesus that is just incredible and some hint into the future. So let me just talk about this for a moment. John falls at the feet of Jesus and Jesus touches John and he says, I want you to write these things that you see and hear. I want you, John, to write these things that you will see and hear. So we know according to this particular verse that it is John who's going to be using the pen as he hears God, as he hears the angels, as he hears how things are going to be. It's John. It's John who is uh, ultimately doing all of this. So, here's what happens. Um, John falls at the feet of Jesus, touches Jesus, and John says, uh, and, and uh, Jesus says to John, I want you to write these things that you see in here. So he talks about some of the minutiae. He talks a little bit about what's going on here, and he says these, something like this. He says, uh, Jesus is walking among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches, and you find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. You don't need to go there, but you find that there, the seven churches. Um, and by the way, that's located in today's modern t- day Turkey. So he talks about the seven stars. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. Now, I know that this could be a little bit confusing. I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can. But the fact of the matter is there's a, there's a plan here. There is a thought process of where God is taking each and every one of us. So there are seven, th- the seven stars are the seven churches excuse me, are the seven angels of the seven churches. John records what Jesus would would say, and he says this to John. I want you to write seven letters to the seven churches that include pastors and leaders and church attenders. This word is coming to the church. So we're going to focus on just one of the seven churches that are being talked about in the book of Revelation. We're just doing one, and it's the church of Sardis the church of Sardis. And I'm going to focus on that one church with this one one question that we have this morning is why all the warnings, why all the warnings directed to believers for Christ's return to be ready? Why are we experiencing all of that? So I'm going to focus on that one church and on this one question. So go with me to to Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Jesus says, you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Repent. Hold it fast. This is what we're talking about in this series. He wants you to hold on to this. Hold on to it. Hold fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, then I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I come for you. Yet you have a few few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Uh, They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Listen to verse five. The one who the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white, and I will never blot their name out of the, out of the I, I will never blot their name, excuse me, out of the, let me say it again, I stumbled over this last night too, and I knew I was going to do that here. He says, I will, verse 5, to the one who is victorious um, will, will, like them, be dressed in white. And I will never blot out the name of that person out of the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before the Father, unbelievable, and to his angels, whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We find in this particular verse right here of what God is going to be doing in those particular times here. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now, if you read that verse 5, I emphasized it just for a moment, stumbled over it, but emphasized it for a moment. This verse can be a real zinger to a lot of believers. It really can be a zinger to a lot of believers because it would mess up their theology. A lot of people don't believe what I'm going to tell you right now. And I'm not here to argue this point this morning. There's something more important that I wanna deal with rather than an argument on that. And that is, go, go to verse five with me again one more time, that the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before the Father and his angels, whoever has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what he is declaring here is, it sounds like the tone, the tone of what Jesus is saying, it sounds like possibly that a name can be withdrawn from the book of life. A name can be taken out of the book of life. And Revelation chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, let's continue on. Revelation chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Oh, I already did that one. Let's move on. (laughs) So a name name can be taken out of possibly is what he's saying here. A name could be taken out of the book of life. Again, we can talk about that at another time. But actually, the church, the church in Sardis sounds like every pastor's worst nightmare. What's going on in Sardis sounds like every pastor's nightmare that's taking place. Let me explain. Let me explain if I can. A church, a church with the kind of reputation that Sardis had, that things are really good, but it's not. You know, in other words, a church that's really moving forward, what seems to be a church that's really moving forward. You know, where people will walk in and say, man, you guys are alive here. Or they would say something like, you know, things are really happening here. Things are really going on. But God says, In Revelation 3.1, you can turn to that if you like, but God says in Revelation 3.1, he says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. But you're dead. A form of godliness, but no power, no life, no faith, no love. You're dead is what he's saying. As pastor of Word of Life, this scares me a little bit because we here at Word of Life, we really do have a good reputation throughout the state of New York as a church. We, We have a good, a really good uh, reputation, And of course, that makes me feel good. I'm, I'm pleased with that. I'm proud of that. But more than what other people may think of word of life, what does God think? What does God think? What does God think about me? What does God think about you and you and you and you and you? What does God think about you and I? What is he thinking about with all of these different things? <sighs> I lost my place. Hold on one second. So what does, what, what does God have to say about all of us here at Word of Life, personally and corporately as a church? Personally, I want you to hear me. I love this. I love what's being said right here. I'm, I love the confrontation that Jesus is having with all of us, every one of us in this room, every one of the church. He's talking to all of us about this thing. And I personally believe that it's an amazing act of love coming from God for us, for each and every one of us, for you, for me, for us, coming from the Lord of the church, the builder, the architect, the the shepherd of the church. And the reason why Jesus says, be ready, don't miss this. He's gonna come like a thief in the night is so that what makes up the church of Sardis what makes up the church of, of New York City? What makes up the church of Miami or Tokyo or Syracuse or even in Baldensville New York? What makes up the church in Baldensville? What makes up the church is not structures. It's not programs. It's not policies. What makes up the church? What makes the church to be precious to Jesus is people. It all comes down to people, young and old alike. It's all about people. People of every nation, tribe, and tongue. People whose lives were broken and torn apart by sin. People who have no hope and have no direction in their life. People whose lives make no sense to them, and they feel empty. They feel lost, and they feel, what do I do now? Where do I go? Until, until someone told them about Jesus, who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done, and how they themselves can be changed by the love and by the power if they would only but believe, that's all they need to. And the same people who become believers and followers of Jesus, they're the church. Again, it stays, the theme is consistent. It's the church, it's people. The called out ones, called out by God himself, who desperately love are loved by God and doesn't want any of them to be left behind when this rapture and when these things will be taking place, who doesn't want any of them to be eternally separated from God and end up in a place that's called hell of utter torment and torture. Um, That is how all of this begins. This is what it's all about is about people, that's who God is interested in. This is who God loves and who God wants. Jesus said to the church of Sardis, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're not. You're dead, you are dead. Revelation chapter three, verse two, and it says these words, he says, wake up. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is in you and is about to die. Whoever you are out there today, however few or however several there may be, you may be putting on a good show. You may be putting on a good show like you've really got it all together. You're acting like you're a Christian. You try to look like you're a Christian. You try to convince some that you're a Christian, but God's not fooled. I could be fooled. I've been fooled many times. Uh, uh, But God, he's not fooled. He's not fooled by any of it. Um, and neither is God mad. He's not mad at anybody either. What he wants to do is he wants to rescue every one of us. So the confrontations that we're dealing with with all of this is for our good. It's like our heavenly father just taking us out into the back shed and giving us a couple of wax that we need every now and then is the way that I'm seeing it. God is saying, He's saying, You're dying, you're dying. Come on, get up, get going. God is saying, there's just a little bit of life left in you. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't give up on God's grace towards you. Don't give up up on an opportunity that God sets before you and I. God says, I see your deeds. I know your actions, your heart. I know your life, and it's not complete. It's not complete in me. So wake up is what he said. So it's obvious here in these scriptures, it's obvious as we dig deeper into this book of Revelation that you can be saved and you could end up being sloppy in your walk with God all at the same time. So what does God want from us? He wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be diligent and you find in the scriptures, it says in Psalm 119, verse four, he says, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. We need to be diligent. Diligent. In other words, having or showing care, conscientious in work and in duty. It means to be meticulous. It means to be painstaking. It means to be thorough and attentive, dedicated and committed to God and to follow him. That we will do our very best as followers of Jesus to do everything we can to follow him and follow him all the days of our life. Somebody give me an amen. Amen. God, I don't want, listen, uh, let me give you two quick scriptures. We find Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Did you hear that? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is not working, excuse me, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Uh, One, John chapter two, verses three through six, and it says, "And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. If someone claims, "I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments," that person is a liar. Are you hearing what God is saying? God wants you to be serious about your walk with God. God wants you to understand there was a tremendous price that was paid for you and I to be able to live forever and our sins to be forgiven. And He is speaking to us, He's confronting us, and then he goes on to say, "I know." Um, that that person would be a liar and and is not living the truth but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him that is how we know that we are living in him those who say that they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did is what we're told in the scriptures so listen you need to be determined with this God, I don't, uh, don't want to have a reputation of just being alive, but I want the reality of being alive, and I want the reality of you living in my life. It's got to be you need God. You want God. You want him to have his way. Revelation 3.3 3 says these words. It says, remember, remember what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. You remember me saying that a moment ago. Some of you have seen it all. Some of you have been raised in a church. Some of you have known God for many years, but now you've drifted. You've drifted away from God. You've wandered away. You, you've been led astray. You don't worship like you used to worship. You don't cry out to God like you used to cry out to God in prayer. You don't worship and you don't, uh, you don't serve and make a difference in the lives of people like you used to make a difference. You have, you have drifted. And verse 3 says, Jesus says, hold fast and repent. I'm not going to have anybody stand up and tell me it's you that we're talking about but I want you to be honest and to talk to God about this today. God is trying to reach us while we still have time. Obey what you have heard and learned and wake up, man. Wake up, woman. Now to the the believer, to the believer, reach out. Reach out to the one who loves you, to the one who's rescued you, who has so much in store for you. I'm talking to the youngest of people in this room as well as to the oldest among us. Reach out to Jesus and if you don't, Jesus said, I will come like a thief in the night. And you will have no idea when I'm coming, which means you're going to miss it. You will miss it if you don't know when it's going to take place. This is serious stuff, church. This is God rescuing you and giving you another chance. Again, I said it a moment ago, a moment ago. This is there's an urgency in this message. And this is a 911 call for some of us. You can't be sloppy with this. The end is drawing near. In Revelation chapter three, verse four, Revelation three, verse four, it says these words. You have a few names, in, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in, in white, for they are worthy. So there are some who are not dead in Sardis, and the Bible says who, are, who have kept their garments clean. So what does the garments mean? Well, the garments mean this. It means your life has been left clean. It means your character, your integrity. It means your promises and your commitments, what you believe. Well, pastor, does that mean I need to be perfect? Absolutely not. There's only one who was perfect, and his name is Jesus. So no, it's not expecting perfection. For those who really love Jesus, who long for his return, who will do all that they can to be watchful in prayer, focused on loving one another, listen to this. For those kind who are overcomers, the Bible says, he will dress you in white when he sees you in heaven. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Have you ever heard that before? Oh, it gets better. He says, for those who are overcomers, he will dress you in white when he sees you in heaven. Then he says, your name will never be blotted out of the book of life. Then he says, and I love this one, he says, Jesus will personally acknowledge you before the Father. And before his angels, and for any of you who know this experience that Marianne and I have gone through these last three years, our son, as I'm reading this, as I'm penning this on this paper and thinking about it, I'm thinking about my son Jeremy, that it would be Jesus who would clothe him in white, not because he was a perfect person, but because he believed and followed the perfect person. Come on, give me an amen to that. (coughs) And God had given him that... that, he had given, shared his name with all of them and as, as well as all the angels is what the scriptures declare. Your name will never be blotted out of the book of life. Jesus will personally acknowledge you before the Father and his angels and you won't be in any jeopardy of missing, missing the return of our Lord and Savior as long as you long for it. As long as you are waiting and watching for his return. You gotta have your ears up. You've got to have your heart toward God. You've got to have this thing where you are ready. You are ready. Wake up, church. The nearness of our Lord's return is soon. The last and final point now to the unbeliever. To the unbeliever. What can you do to be ready? Well, let me tell you the single greatest news you could ever hear in your entire life. And that is, first and foremost, God absolutely loves you. God absolutely loves you and he accepts you just the way you are. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, good news translation. It says these words, my friend, to the unbeliever who may be here today. It says these words. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. So that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God. For God did not send his son into the world today be its judge, but to be its savior. To be its savior. The Bible makes it incredibly clear. It's so easy to be saved. It is so easy to give your life to God, to be rescued. (coughs) To be rescued from a place called hell. It's not complicated. The fact is, God himself took care of every bit of what we're dealing with right here. And all that you need to do is believe. That's all you need to do. I'm not asking you to become a member of Word of Life. I'm welcoming you to come to Word of Life whenever you want to come, as as often as you want to come. But I'm not asking you to be a member of Word of Life. I'm asking you to believe in everything that God says. Romans 10, verse 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says these words, if you Openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it tells us how. For it is by believing, it is by believing, it is by believing. It's not by attending church. It's not because you're trying to be good. For it's by believing in your heart that you have been made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It's what the Bible says. Confession of your faith Jesus makes us has made us into our uh, uh, unto our salvation in John 1 12 it says these words but to all who have believed in him and accepted him gave him to become gave him the right to become the sons of God all of that and a whole lot more comes to you and I from God himself God loves you so much my friend that he sent his son who went to the cross for your sins and certainly for mine yeah Jesus, Jesus took the heat for my sin and for your sin. Jesus became the sacrifice and took all the punishment that we deserve upon himself. It's an incredible message. It's an unbelievable message on so many levels. So let the Bible be clear with you right now. By accepting what Jesus did, by believing that he did that for you, by letting him become your savior, you can be saved, you can be, your sins can be forgiven, you can be rescued, and you can be set free, and it will change your life forever. And that's what happened to me on July 5th, 1971 in the south side of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at 16 years old, some 48 years ago. I took one step to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior on that cross. I was raised Roman Catholic, I knew that he did that, but I didn't understand why, I didn't get it, the dots weren't connected. And I took that one step and I chose to believe it. Even though I didn't understand it all. And here's the prayer that I prayed. This is all that I said. I said, God, if this is real, I want it. And I'm telling you, my friend, you don't have to believe me. It's my story. I'm sticking to it. My whole life changed before my very eyes at 16 years old. God did a great work. To God be the glory. My life has been forever changed. My prayer My prayer is that can happen to you today too. And only you can do this. I can't do this for you. So what I would like to do as we close off, first of all, would everybody please stand to their feet? What I'm going to do is that I'm gonna ask you to join with me in a prayer. If you really, you're not gonna join the church, but you're gonna receive Christ. So if you would want to make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you'd like to make sure that your sins are forgiven, that you will be with God forever in this place called heaven, When the Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love him. (coughs) I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer in receiving Christ. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray out loud. I'll I'll be very slow and easy with this because this is not complicated, And I want you to repeat this. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. So this is a private moment for everybody. But I'm going to pray a prayer because you are wanting to receive Christ in your life. So say this with me. As I pray out loud, you pray these, words, pray these prayers with me. You can say it with your own words, your own lips, or with your voice, or you can just say it in your mind and in your heart. Talk to God. Pray this with me right now. Dear God, just say it like this. Dear God, I know I've messed up. I know I've done wrong things. And I ask you to forgive me. Come on, say it again. I ask you to forgive me. And He will. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior today. And then say this to him, thank you, Jesus, for saving me.